Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us in worship today. We hope you have an order of worship. And if you would, please open it uh, wide to see these sections in the middle. We like to frame our um, verbal and written announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. Please notice these items in these areas uh, in ways that we can help you, in ways that you can serve us. Um, things that I'll say above uh, what's written there is two weeks from today, we have a combined service with a cookout. Um, Brett and Casey Hovis will cook for us. They always do an amazing job. And so in two weeks, we have one service at 10 a.m. here in the sanctuary, followed by a cookout on our grounds. As you can see, the choir has the day off today, and that's because uh, Lauren Pinkerman and his men's group are going to sing for us. I'm going to invite Lauren up to say just a, a word about it, um, what he's hoping to do, and if you would be interested in joining them. Lauren served our um, church as the choir director prior to my arrival and um, during my first year here before he retired, and he is forming a group in the area of men who are going to sing. They're workshopping a name, Currently, I think it's Lauren and the Pinkermans, but we'll see if they change that. Lorenzo. Uh -huh. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Uh, well, it's, it's, my wife and I are here this morning. We're glad to be back with you all. Uh, we enjoyed our time here and uh, building some relationships with uh, some of the people here has been a great experience for us, for which we're thankful. And uh, I have several of the of the guys that are in your choir that are singing in the upstate men's choir. We dropped the 55 plus because uh, we used to be called the 55 plus men's choir, but we, we found out we had one gentleman who works a night shift. He's unable to sing in a, in a church choir anywhere, but he's able to sing at 9.30 on Tuesday mornings. So <clears throat> we rehearsed just down the street at First Presbyterian on uh, Tuesdays at 9.30 to 11, and um, we start rehearsals again August 14th. So if you know someone in the congregation or if you yourself are interested, we'd love to hear from you. I'd like an opportunity to uh, have you give me a call so we can discuss it further. Uh, we sing a great variety of music, everything from classical to rock and roll. So. Uh, Look forward to seeing you later. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lauren, and thank you, men, for uh, leading us in worship today. If you'll please uh, stand as you're able and join us for our first hymn, number 67.
We affirm our faith in this worship service with the Apostles' Creed, and you're welcome to join us, and you're welcome to simply listen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. The first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Laconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, gentlemen. I want you to consider um, three important things as we go into prayer, in addition to the ones that you can find on the prayer list as you leave the space and also in your email each week. Wherein Leonard is under the care of hospice, is at the cottages at um, Greer, just beside Greer Hospital. Um, his entire family was able to come and join him, and um, I saw some of the um, special nature of that. If you would consider that family. If you would consider Thomas and Caitlin Owens. Caitlin is our nine o'clock worship director and she had a healthy baby boy this week. He was six pounds, 14 something ounces and 19 inches long. And I feel like he will be loved by his family. That is my early indication of watching that family surround him, my mercy. That's going to be a fun house to grow up in. Consider um, our United Methodist Church and our annual conference. Um, many people, if they're not accustomed to it, figure that Methodist ministers just move every four years. They just get in a seat and move to the next seat. It's so much more complicated than that. Our, our cabinet of 12 regional superintendents, our bishop, uh, consider for an entire season, where's the best place that this person can go? What's the best place for their family? What's the best thing for the church? And all those ministers are starting today uh, in their appointments. I texted some of them that I'm aware of. It's their first Sunday and just said, you know, just breathe and say things. See if you can get through the end of it. And then we'll try again next week. Um, but just remember to breathe. So if you just consider um, 25, maybe more than that percent of our churches in our conference have a new minister today, and we want to consider them. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, we have such a large church family, and so we are always in transition. Transitions that make us entirely happy. And transitions that can make us quite sad. We pray for those families who are participating, for those families that surround loved ones, for our call to surround them with love because you have first loved us. We pray for our annual conference, that those who are arriving in new places may experience welcome, and those who are hoping for a minister to come may be blessed by the arrival. We pray for so many people traveling this week for fun reasons, that they may be safe and that they may come back home. We pray that you may use our scripture, our prayer, our proclamation, our songs to inspire us this morning, Lord, along with the prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Amen. It's now time for our offering, and you can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you're a guest, if you're new to our church today, you can rely on the generosity of our people.
You may be seated. The scripture I will read is a continuation of what Miss Lynn started in Acts chapter 14. And you can find it on page 1717 in your pew Bible if you like to read along. And I like to read different parts. And if you um, want to read along, if you'll keep your Bible open. We'll begin with the opening image. And the word is distractions. Public speakers know that they come in all forms. Parents know, coaches know, teachers know. Anyone that is trying to get anyone's attention for any amount of time is well aware of the distractions that you can come along. I would say um, one of the biggest ones during worship for me was in my first summer. And it was a hornet thing that uh, had eaten some kind of pill and multiplied by three. It was like that big. I swear it had three red stripes on the end of it. Um, Y'all might be aware of what that thing was. And we were in a um, white country church, you know, looked like a western at the at the uh, coming together of three different roads. Beautiful church, simple people, buzz. This thing comes buzzing in, and I notice it. And then it comes by here, and I notice these people notice it. And then it goes over there and lands, and then these people notice it. And now it's over. Even then, at 22, I knew, I said, uh, I was maybe five, seven minutes into the sermon. And who knows what I was saying, really, at 22, before seminary. I'm not sure it was making a whole lot of sense in the first place. And I just looked out there and I said, look, I think we're done here. Um, Jesus loves y'all a lot. Y'all go love people, okay? Go forth in peace. And I swear we just got up and left because it was over. Um, Many times in worship, this is um, starting my 19th year, um, someone has passed out in worship. They wear a suit, and they don't normally wear a suit during the week. They're up earlier than they would ever be during the week at times. They don't eat what they normally eat. They don't drink what they normally drink. And they come, and it's hot on their way in the door. And they pass out. I've started in a sermon, and you can just kind of see somebody. Not the kind when you see somebody just kind of nodding. I mean, that's part of it. But I'm talking about truly gone. You see them fading, and you say, um, obviously you can't go on. And I literally again said, you know what? Jesus loves y'all. Y'all go love people like Jesus loves you, and let's pray over this individual um, as EMS comes. And normally it's just the difference of a snack that morning. Technology. Now, technology impacts other worship services that I'm in more than this service. Um, the 9 o'clock has a screen. It's got a different soundboard. It's got all sorts of stuff that can go another direction. But we have sound, you know, and sound can get away from us here. And if I'm starting into something and I see people look up to the screen and I haven't said anything about looking up to the screen, I know it's not a good thing. And when you see that failure on the screen of a program that you were hoping would run or it needs to have some kind of update and you know what? Jesus loves (laughs) y'all. Y'all go love people like Jesus did. Let's just go um, because it's going to be tough. But we don't know about the true distractions that the early speakers 
that Jesus had, that the followers of Jesus had, so many times they were outdoors. You know, when you use the word sanctuary, you're talking about a peaceful place. You're talking about a quiet place. You're talking about a place where you go that puts you in the mindset, the set of your spirit to listen and hear. We were out on the road. You'd hear everything going by on the road. If we were out at the lake, you'd hear everything going by on the lake. Um, if we were out at a ball field before a game happened and you hear the ding of the bat, all sorts of things going on, that's the environment that Jesus experienced. It's the environment his early leaders experienced. And beyond the sound interruptions, there was deep anger, deep hatred on some of the uh, minds of the listeners who were in that crowd who meant to do everything possible to obstruct them and or kill them. So that hostility is a distraction. In so many texts that we read, and today is no different. Your next phrase, based on um, what Miss Lynn read, is that the crowd is divided. Now, they were divided before Paul and Barnabas walked into town. Just as we, when we're not at our best, can be divided. It can be based on um, ethnicity. It can be based on religion. It can be based on tenure in the town. How long have you lived here? How long have you um, worked here? How long have you been a part of the thing that we're doing? And so people are already divided before they come in. But then Paul and Barnabas come in and they tell this story of Jesus in sort of a captivating way such that some people are interested and some people are not. And the people who are interested and the people who are not are different than any other division that was pre-existing. You hear this is a, a much bigger image with um, uh, can be far more painful implications, but you heard in the Civil War, brother against brother. Relative against relative, neighbor against neighbor. People who were previously aligned have a new subject that divides them on a level that they become violent with one another. And so while that town was already divided, when Paul and Barnabas come in, if, they, if the people were a deck of cards, the ones that were over here and over here are now shuffled up and now redivided based on one simple fact. Do you believe in what Paul and Barnabas said, or do you not? And it divided faiths, it divided ethnicities, it divided families, based on whether you believed them or you did not. And the ones who were against him, their messages um, uh, divides people on such a level that Jews and Gentiles, who would normally be divided on their own, were coming together to conspire against their word. And so they say, um, let's drag them out of town and stone them. Now, um, again, with ministers going to new churches, when ministers get together at annual conference or any sort of gathering, and we sort of snicker about the responses that we've gotten from people on all sorts of different levels, it's kind of like um, comedians who have gone to different venues all over the country, and they know what that venue is like. And we laugh when we tell painful stories of difficulties that we had. None of them that I've heard of had the threat of dragging the individual out of the town and stoning them. That's entirely real for these guys. A very real possibility. And they leave town, and we pick up again in verse 8. In Lystra there was a man who was lame, 
He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him. Saw that he had the faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Now, that's your next fill in the blank. The crowd shouted. And if you've ever been part of an event that had a large crowd that was hoping for a particular outcome, there's the shouting always, but there's usually a moment when they've all seen this amazing thing, whatever it is, whether it's a um, catch or not a catch, a hit or not a hit, whatever it is, where there's just a second of silence because they can't process what they just saw. Followed by thundering screams of joy. Now, I'm not certain if everyone here was um, experiencing joy, but they just saw two guys rolling into town. And again, if you think about a Western, you think about two people rolling into town, there's always something. It's never just two guys rolling into town and they get a sandwich and they move on to the next town. Nobody wants to watch that movie. But these two guys come into town and a guy who has never walked, they've known him his entire life, and he has never walked, is now standing up and jumping. And they look at each other, and then they start screaming. Now, this is a classic element of the gospel. It's a classic element of the entire Bible. Someone who figured that the thing that they were experiencing was a thing that would be with them their entire life. I cannot see. I've never been able to see. I will not see. All of a sudden, they can see. I cannot walk. All of a sudden, I can walk. I cannot join this faith community. All of a sudden, I can join this faith community. It's every bit of the spectrum. All of a sudden, things change, and this individual can now participate. And I think there's a mixed reaction to that. Because we kind of like people being in the spot that they're in. We get accustomed to it. And you kind of get accustomed to that guy just sitting there. Now he can jump around and walk. And there's a joy. There's a screaming, but I'm guessing there's also a little bit of a panic of who these guys are and what in the world they're doing. The man didn't say a thing. At least it's not recorded in the text. Said nothing. Just stood up and walked. Verse 13. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from the worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He's shown kindness to you by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
So these people are accustomed to a God for this, and a God for this, and a God for this, and a God for this. And he says, you've had those things, and you've given credit to another God, but it's in fact the God that I'm talking about that is the difference. This is your next phrase. The crowd wanted to sacrifice in their honor. Now, Paul came from the Jewish faith tradition. Every time they go into a new town, they go to the synagogue and start from there. That faith tradition gets sacrificing animals. But what they want to sacrifice to are Greek gods. Now, I want you to imagine for a second. If you were in that town where they were going to stone you, how fast you would leave that town. If you were in the town where they literally thought you were a Greek god, how much would you want to stay in that town? And that continuum for leaders in the church, for clergy in the church, is very real. There's times when you think, this crowd doesn't want anything to do with me, whether any way, shape, or form, this is really difficult. And then there's times when you think, man, I really seem to have a connection with this crowd. They think I'm great. Both of those things, both of those ends, and everything in between on the spectrum causes a response on the part of the leader. But you notice there was no response from these guys. They didn't leave that town and say, you know what would be great, God, is if you would smoke all of them on our way out because they tried to kill us. They didn't stay in this town and say, man, these people think we're great. They think I'm Zeus. I could just hang out here and have the great rest of my life. As the experience of the crowds around them went like this, they did not change. Imagine what it took to say it's not about me when people wanted to claim that they were the greatest thing that had happened in their life. Imagine what it took on the part of those leaders to say it's not about me when people wanted to tear apart anything they said or did. Isn't that really hard to do? We sort, of think, we sort of make things about ourselves. We make responses about ourselves. We make influence about ourselves. And so that's the final question I want to ask you. And really, you've got to ask yourself, am I a distraction? Do I take things personally? Do I get emotional? Do I respond in a rash way when people are not being friendly to me? Do I take it too seriously when people love me and figure, man, I really am something, am I? Am I a distraction for what God wants? Now, Paul, who was previously Saul, was murdering everybody who was part of the way. He was knocked off his horse. He was converted. He's now a leader. He's now drawing people to him. He was a distraction and is no longer, and no longer is. What are we capable of? How can we be a distraction? On this week that we celebrate the path to the founding of America, you will likely gather with people over some sort of meal in some sort of place. My family always goes to Edisto Beach, and it's a large family. 
Uh, it's actually Katie's family. Our family. <laughs> Our family. Uh, there are siblings on both sides of the political spectrum. Not like siblings on both sides of the political spectrum. Like siblings on the both sides of the political spectrum. <laughs> and man, do they feed off one another. What do, you, what do you figure they count on me for? What are you capable of when someone says something inflammatory about a thing you love? Or a thing you believe? What might you say to your loved one if their loved one said something inflammatory to you? You might say something hateful. Don't you have that potential? You might ask yourself, am I a distraction? When I see yelling based on alliances, when I see angry solutions based on problems that our nation is experiencing, am I a distraction? Or is it more important that I show the loving, powerful message of God, regardless of what happens to me. A quiet man who didn't say a word was an amazing witness. He did not say a word, and he was a witness to the power of Jesus Christ. What are you capable of showing people through your actions if you remove your own ego and consider instead, I want to be a loving instrument of God's peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you will join me on page 12 in your hymnal. There are all different kinds of worship in all sorts of different styles in all sorts of different locations. But the critical factors that happen in a worship service, our individual and corporate recognition of our struggle to follow God for whatever reason, and individual and corporate forgiveness for one another through the words that we speak. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, we have been a distraction. And we are deeply sorry. Myself, my row, my church, we have struggled. It's important to acknowledge that. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Forgiven and reconciled 
in seeking to gather around the same table, to consume the same elements, to participate in the same promise, to go forth from this place unified in our belief that Christ is our Lord and that love and peace is his offering. If you turn to one another and say, peace be with you. If you join me in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with all your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he, took, he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. If we could have those who are helping serve come forward, please. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so, but you're certainly not required to come forward. Um, we serve by you being guided by your ushers. Um, if you're the front person there, you come to this corner. And if you're the front person there, you come to this corner. 
we traditionally kneel. And if you're unable to kneel, um, please stand. Please do. If you would like us to come to your seat, um, we'll be happy to do that as well. You'll see um, uh, people leave money on the altar. That goes to the Good Samaritan Fund, which um, helps people in our community. And if you would like um, gluten-free elements, bread, we have them on this corner and this corner. So as you're coming by, um, if you would please take that. Uh, so we don't have the choir as nor we normally would. Um, so those of you on the front row um, will come and lead the way. broken for you. Body of Christ broken for you. Body of Christ broken for you. Body of Christ broken for you.
Let us pray. Lord, we have confessed our shortcomings. We have asked for forgiveness, and we have received it. Help us, Lord, after we've shared this table, as we go forth into your community, to limit how often we bring up shortcomings, because we've been forgiven. Instead, to be an instrument of your peace through our actions, and by the most part, the limitation of our words. Help us, gracious God, to go forth from this place to serve you because you first served us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll please stand as you're able and join us in our final hymn. The office will be closed, um, and I hope our staff will be slow to respond to you so they take time off uh, on this holiday week. Two weeks from today, a service will be at 10 a.m. Um, in the sanctuary with a um, cookout to follow. Make sure you notice that. Make sure you tell people that. I know people are in and out. Thank you, gentlemen, for leading us in worship today. We thank you. Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.